Hypocrisy's the best policy. Wish for change, but lazily. Century of debilitation. Your evolution is a damnation. You know what that music means. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and welcome to a special edition of HV Pucks. I'm proud to say this is the only independent outlet dedicated to covering the sport of hockey in our region. You do not need a newspaper or cable TV subscription to access my content. It is 100% free and available on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on the Grandstand Sports Network. One of the things I enjoy the most about hosting this podcast is when I get to sit down with players, coaches, parents, and fans to talk pucks. In this episode, Stefan Vallis and his son, Stefan Vallis II, were my guests. Stefan Vallis has been connected to the sport for over 40 years and was responsible for assigning scorekeepers and clock operators in Duchess, Putnam, and Westchester counties prior to John Orlando's departure from Section 1 Hockey in June of 2014. Today, both father and son serve as off-ice officials and can often be found at the ice hutch. Enjoy. Hey, what's going on? It's your boy Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and I'm so excited to be here with Stefan Vallis and Stefan Vallis II. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of Hudson Valley hockey. Um, so, again, thanks, guys, for inviting me up here on a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Of course. You're welcome. Of course. Happy to be part of it. Yeah. Long time no see. Last time I saw you was up in Buffalo um, at the New York State Championships. Um, it was nice to see North Rockland and John Jay up there. I certainly uh, had hoped for a better outcome for both teams. But Would have hoped for at least one goal. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Was one goal. They, did, they played pretty good. They did. They, they seemed they like they were going to score, but they never put it in. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, again, as, as much as it's some people complain about heading up to Buffalo, I mean, this is my second time going. It is a phenomenal facility. It's a great weekend for the kids. It's a different so. quality of hockey. Absolutely. Very important. Absolutely. And I think... You know, that's why, again, like Ed Witz's tournament, you know, is so important. Um, even last year at the Guy Matthews tournament, they had a team. West Seneca well, East came down and played. So, And when I was in high school in the late 80s, you know, you never heard of that. You never heard no. of upstate teams coming down. No, it was um, never like that. The only time I ever remember that was back in the 70s when Ithaca would come down to play Marmanic. But they would switch every other year. So and the kids would stay at each other's houses. Okay. So which was a good bonding session. Of course. Too bad they didn't have like the internet then where they could keep track instead of writing letters, you know, send an email or send a text. It's funny you bring up the whole Ithaca connection because I'm actually pretty friendly with the head coach for Ithaca Hockey now. His name is Paul Zarek. He's been on a couple of times, and I know that Mamarinek was scheduled to go up and play them this year, but I think the weather yeah. um, kind of took it's care of that. Weather wise. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so again, so I guess we'll start with Stefan Vallis Sr. How long have you been connected to high school hockey, and what is it that you love about the sport? Well, I just completed my 43rd year as minor official. Been following it since 1970 when Mermanic played Eastchester in the championship game. 
a lot of people would be shocked to know that East Chester used to be a big powerhouse in this league. No mergers then, just a high school. And they always would play 2-1, to 3-2, to 1 nothing games. They were always tight games. Granted, it was 10-minute periods, 1-minute penalties, but eh, that's what happens. But, you know, meeting the people, like the coaches, the officials, and you, Tavis, and other people, it makes it worthwhile. I enjoy going. You know, I know I'm going to see somebody I know. The officials I know for years, a lot of them when they were players. Coaches I know when they were even players, some of them. So it's always that thrill. It's like a family atmosphere. Absolutely, I would I would agree. I mean, if it's one thing I've learned over covering the sport the last couple of years is that it is it's a family. It's a fraternity. We all look out for each other. So Stefan Vallis the second, same thing. Like, what is it that you love about the sport? And you know, it's nice you're kind of following in your dad's footsteps because I know you're a fixture at the rings. Too. I've been going since I was a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> I remember playing at Playland by the scorers box. Um, for me, again, I, I agree with uh, just knowing a lot of the referees. I know them very personally, even outside of uh, the hockey games and in, in the leagues. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the competition. I think the high school kids, especially the last couple of years, have really improved across the board. It, it used to very much just be the same teams over and over and over again, and you're starting to see some of these games are getting pretty competitive. You know, a couple of years ago, a couple of our guys were drafted in the NHL. That's very impressive. Um, so it's, it's nice to see the sport sort of grow, <laughs> I would say even within the last five years. Yeah, and that's absolutely one of the reasons why I decided to put this show together because, you know, I remember when Suffren made those runs in 2010, 2011, yes. 2012, I knew a lot of the students on the team, you know, from my work at the middle school in Suffren, and I made those trips to Utica every year. And then, you know, Mamaronek wins in 2016, Pelham wins in 2017, and then we had North Rockland and John Jay cross river up there this year. So we definitely have a hockey hotbed here, and I like what you said. You know, it's not the same teams all the time now, you know, as evidenced by North Rockland kind of slowly building that winning culture. Um, what are the what are some? I'm going to go back to Stephen Vallis Senior. What are some of the most exciting or memorable high school games that you've witnessed firsthand in your 40 plus years? Well, all of course, all the state championships. I think me and my brother are the only ones who have seen every state championship. Okay. So other than Pelham winning it now a year and a half, two years ago, every win was a shocker or an upset. It was so close. You didn't know for sure they were going to win. Pelham, I already predicted they were going to win the state championships like in January. By going upstate, I guess I always know how the quality of hockey is. And they were just such a dominating team. Yeah. And it was unbelievable. But probably the one game that sticks out in my mind is 1975 when Nershaw played Sleepy Hollow and went into double overtime. They didn't have the state playoffs, so there was no game after the championship game. And it was a goalie, great goalie game. Uh, Hugh Campbell for Sleepy Hollow, and I think it was Roy DiPartello Mayo for Nourishell. And it was end-to-end action. Goalies played great, and you couldn't ask for a better game than that. Too bad they couldn't advance and see how anybody would have done. You know, because there's been some good teams that were in the 70s, White Plains, like 76. The Plainsmen had gone out of business or closed for a year, and all those players went to White Plains so they went to the White Plains team, and that was a dominant team that I think would have gone pretty far in the States if they could have. 
But then they didn't have it. So yeah, all right. So when you say they didn't have it, they just not have. They didn't have no form. They didn't even start the state until 1980. Okay. So. Okay, so just back then, you simply didn't have the ability anything. to get yes any type of state championship. And no, okay. we never had the competition section nine. Right. I don't think that started until 77, 78. Okay. And that might have been because of things like White Plains, who really wanted to play more. Sure. And they couldn't. They had a lot of good dominating players. See, this is exactly why I wanted to do this, because I know as soon as you start rattling off the 74 this, the 75 that, yes. and this is gold. Um, favorite, all right, Stefan Vallis II, favorite rink to watch a high school Ooh. game. I very much enjoy Playland, as yep. I know a lot of people do, especially being able to sit up a little bit more. Yeah. And being an official, you sort of get to sit behind the benches where it's a little bit less fans, which is nice. Uh, I feel like I have to give a shout out to the iSuch, otherwise Edwards would disown me. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I very much, I, I would say that's where I enjoy most working a game, is the iSuch. Okay, sure. Sure. I, I love the atmosphere of the ice, such all the cutouts, yep. just the ambiance, and you know Ed's, you know, been nothing but yeah. great to me. He's a very, know. he's a very loyal guy. Yeah, yes. absolutely, absolutely. Um, Stephen Vallis, the senior, uh, favorite rink to watch a game. Favorite game to watch a game is definitely Playland because that's the only rink that everything is close in. And if you could be up in the balcony, yep. which they don't always let people up there, yeah, that is actually the best game because you're almost hanging over the ice so you could see every corner and i remember back in the early 70s when they when they used to have the championships they would close it off and all the coaches from the league and their wives would come and watch the game okay i don't think you see that anymore but <laughs> that's how loyal it was so i i will give you i i worked actually i was a pa public address announcer for i want to say it was mayor pack ride town harrison at Ride Playland, and again, it, it is, it's a nice rink. Um, the, the upstairs was completely filled, and it does give you that unique perspective. Now, some people are going to call me a homer because I grew up in Suffered and work in Suffered. Now, my favorite place to watch a game is Sportorama, simply because you've got that crowd element. They're yes. almost like on top of the, the the players, on top of the ice, and you know, on a on a Friday night, there's nothing like it. But uh, I will say, in my travels doing HV pucks. You know, even Brewster Ice Arena yes. certainly can can pack it in. Um, you know, so I think there's this. We're fortunate enough in this area to have lots of places where we can. Yeah, it's a lot uh, of big, a, a lot of rinks. I I like them all. Yeah, but if I had to watch a game as a fan, Playland would be the one. There you go. And there was a day when all the games only played out of Playland, and then when they redid Playland, it was supposed to open. It didn't open. They delayed the season to January. And they ended up playing a seven-game season at wow. Ebersol. Wow. And White Plains had all their home games played because they had a 6 o'clock slot. The next best one was Mermanic at 11.30 on Friday nights. Oof. So there were some games at 5 a.m. Wow. And stuff like that. And then finally, the old Westchester ice skating rink opened enough time for the playoffs, and we played our playoffs there. So, but, you know, and that's before White Plains had the roof. Okay. So, and, you know, you stood, I remember, the old Woodlands coach, John Rostowanek Sr., standing on the ice, you know, on the bench with snow and ice, and, you know, you're freezing your buns off and all that. <laughs> so. That's amazing stuff. All right, this is your boy, Trav, and I'm, I'm 
sitting with Stefan Vallis and Stefan Vallis II. We're talking a little bit about the history of Hudson Valley hockey. We'll be right back after this. Hey, it's your boy Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and I'm back with Stefan Vallis and Stefan Vallis II. We're talking about the history of Hudson Valley hockey. Um, so let's start with Stefan Vallis uh, Sr. What's the biggest challenge you faced or the biggest challenge, in your opinion, of being an off-ice official? I'm trying to keep the penalty box and penalties organized. A lot of people don't realize certain penalties get certain time and they have to be stacked in a certain way. You have to make sure the right players go out, the right players stay in, and if they leave early, you got to let the, the on-ice officials say they left early and they actually get additional penalty for that. And also when they're in the penalty box, a lot of people don't realize you can't give your stick to a player on the ice if they have a broken stick, and you can't have one leg over the bench because that's technically too many men on the ice. Okay. All right. Stefan Vallis the second. Uh, in your opinion, biggest challenge of being an off-ice official? I would definitely agree with uh, keeping the penalties organized. I think just a big reminder for people, it's not first in, first out. It is by order of um, expiration on penalties Sure. when guys leave. That's a very important thing to be, for people to know. Uh, otherwise, I would say dealing with the uh, kids, coaches, parents on shots on goal, we've all had our fair share of parents come over to us yeah. in between periods to complain about shots on goal. And I think it's important to know definitively what is and isn't a shot on goal as also as well as knowing that you're watching the game from a completely different angle than us so uh unless you have a camera or want to sit where we're sitting and watch the game i really don't you know dealing with some of those complaints on shots on goal you know i'm only laughing because i remember from earlier this year on twitter there was a lot of back and forth about shots on goal and i've seen it too um, I do um, the public address for Monroe Woodbury up in Section 9, and there have been some discussions at the end of the periods about shots on goal. And even when I've been at certain rinks in Section 1, I won't name the rinks because I don't want to put anybody on blast, but coaches have come into the box if I'm doing the music, and they're like, well, what's with the shots on goal? And, you know, but again, I think it's important that you guys obviously know the rules, and we're seeing it from a very different angle. Um Let's go back to Stefan Vallis Sr. Who are some of the dominant high school players or teams that you know, stand out? And, and again, you've been in the game for a long time, but are there any players or teams that just stand out to you? Well, you got, I remember back in the 70s talking about that White Plains team. There was a player named Gary Shaw. He was good. He just take the face off and go right down and score. I saw him score a hat trick in 45 seconds. And he was good. And then you're talking about, there's been a lot of players like Sam, Steve Santini, Pesh, Pesci. You know, these are guys who played, at least played high school. And sure. and then you got the goalies like Natoli from Suffering. He yeah. manhandled the team. Spiro, who won that championship single-handedly practically. Yeah. And, you know, there's been a lot of other good players. 
And a lot of good teams. Of course, Pound was maybe overall the best team I've ever seen because they just dominated. They were like like the old days when the Russians were so good. Right. They knew where each other were. You know, otherwise you got Mermax, that's always good. Suffering's good. Mm-hmm. Scarsdale's had a couple of good teams. And there's been other teams, North Rockland, John Jay. Sure. And it's teams making strides and efforts. You know, I like to commend this Carmel coach. Absolutely. You know, he might get his butt kicked in, but he's doing what every other coach used to do. When Rye, Pelham, and Mermatic were getting, were are good now upstate, they got their butt kicked in too. Right. But you build it up, and right. then you come good. You do it the right back way. back in the old days when Rye used to play Mermatic, John Zegers always made sure, because Mermatic was his biggest rivalry in the league, he would always play an upstate game before Mermatic. So their play, so his players will be at the tempo of upstate, and they'll be ahead of the Mermatic players. Smart, that's smart. I know last year I talked a lot about strength of schedule, and uh, Ed Witz came on, and that's his philosophy too. He wants to put his kids in those high pressure situations, so that when they get to the state tournament, they're not overwhelmed, and they're used to you know playing in that it's type of environment. It's a whole new ball game up there. It's Absolutely, we don't, and it's more balanced up there, so yeah. they have a lot more stronger teams. Absolutely, I mean, I, I think the the one of the best games of the weekend was that. Um, I think it was the last game on Saturday. Yeah. Again, Auburn and. Yeah. Um, was it Sweet Home? But it was a good game. Auburn and yeah. Sweet Home. I think that, I mean, amazing. Um, Stefan Ballas the second. Anyone stand out to you as far as players or teams? Um, I can remember there was uh, the Hands for Yorktown. Okay. Uh, I forgot the, the daughter's name, but the girl, she was very good. She was first line and a, a legitimate first line player back when Yorktown had a couple good players. Okay. Um, I would say Nicholas, James Nicholas yep, from Scarsdale. From Scarsdale. Pretty much single-handedly got Scarsdale up there on consecutive years. Um, those are the guys I would say, obviously, Pelham. That was the best shorthanded team I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I would say even outside of high school hockey, just in general. Um, you see a lot of those guys. Otherwise, I think there's a lot of, lot, lot of players who have just been maybe unheralded and a little bit solid guys, guys who are out there who – just put in the work who you don't necessarily fill up the stat sheet, but are guys who are integral to their teams. And okay. I think those are a lot of the guys who are very important in uh, stuff like that. So I'm having fun with Bongo. Bongo is behind me. Bongo is the, the house cat here, <laughs> and he is all over me right now. <laughs> um, so let's switch gears. You know, we talked a little bit about high school players and teams, but are there any coaches or officials that stand out you know, as, you know, for their contributions to the game? Well, there's a whole lot out there <laughs> that I've dealt over the years. Right. You have um, Dick Kittle, of course, for the minor officiating. Absolutely. You got referees like Horton Shaw who put that their organization into a very strong organization. And then um, Al Kroos, uh, he was our mentor as a minor official. Okay. Then you got John Zegris, John Orlando, Sandy Fletcher from America, you also got Mike Schiaparelli, Ed Witts, yep. and um, you also got Ralph Mergliano. He went through the hardest thing you could possibly go. His team played, He and I knew him well, unfortunately he's passed, oh, but he coached Mount Vernon when they had a hockey team, and he begged the league, make me a JV team. I do not have a team, and they wouldn't let him do it. 
He scored. He scored one goal. Gave up 100, 186 goals in a season. Wow. And for Terry's father, who plays for Terry, the one from North Salem, his father played on that team. Okay. And Mount Vernon, the year before, that's when Ed Witts graduated. Okay. And all you know, and all those good players left, and they only had one semi-decent player, and the rest were not that good. And, and you would know Ralph as the. Uh, was it the uncle, I believe, right? Or, uh, of Joe? Yeah, Joe Merkley. Yeah, who's okay. the, who the... And Ralph the was the one who started the I such. Okay. Okay. And he, you know, he was a funny guy. <laughs> he could tell you a lot of old stories. Art Morgan was another one who told a lot of old stories. You got um, all the all the coaches that won state championships. They've been around for a long time. They've done good. So, and... You know, and the officials, you, all the officials are good. A lot of people have to realize, yeah, everybody disagrees with the officials. Yeah. And argue. These guys are not really, yeah, it sounds good they're making money, but they're not really making good money. No. Nope. And they don't, to them, they as they tell me, we get paid the same amount, whoever wins. Right. So we're not out there favoring, we're not out there missing. It's all a judgment. Mm-hmm. You know, you could see a penalty. We've seen penalties in the penalty box that the refs did not see. Right. Uh, and we're close enough that a lot of times during in between periods, we'll talk and they'll ask us, did you see something sure. out of that? Sure, absolutely. See, as minor officials, we can't stop the game and say, this guy slashed that guy back there. Right. The referees have to actually ask us. Right. And they, they have done that in the past, but they tried to avoid asking. They want to leave the judgment to themselves. And they're good referees, and you know they're very short-handed, and they work hard, and you know. And the same thing with the coaches. You gotta realize, coaches don't get paid much. They're yeah. not out there to favor one player over another. They're actually giving their time. I remember when John Rostowanek Senior told me years ago, when little John, assistant coach John Rostowanek, I've known since he was in diapers. Right. He said that he figured out one time. He was only making about forty-eight cents an hour. Wow! So it was like, and he had to at the time the kids were growing up, so he had to. That's when he gave up coaching to spend more time with them. Right, right. So, I mean, if it's one thing I again I've I've learned is that you know a lot of these the coaches, the officials, the off ice folks, they're all in it for the right reason. Yes, that's for the kids. And it's for the love of the game. Um, are there any? I can't believe I just saw that happen. Moments. That come to mind. Well, actually, in a college game, I saw an Iona game. Somebody took a shot. The puck went off the post, and the puck broke in half. <laughs> and then another one is current John Jay coach, Alex Smith. Okay. He was a goalie for Rye. Okay. He begged the coach many a times, let me go out there and play forward. I want to try to score a goal. He, the coach finally let him on a weaker team. Right. Figure, okay, I'll let the back of goalie play. I'll let you play a couple shifts. Okay. Well, he came down first time on a breakaway at play lap. Clear, only him and the goalie. He shoots. Unfortunately, he didn't hit the goalie. He shot up and hit the ceiling. Oh, my. At, at play lap. <laughs> that's great. That's you know, great and stuff. And that's where you could think about, like, how um, Jim Mancusa would yell, hit the thing in the red, surround the red. <laughs> Because Mancuso was a funny coach, really yeah. good coach, and you know he he built a good team there. Himself. Absolutely, I had a chance to chat with him a little bit this year up yeah. in Buffalo because he's 
connected with the North Rockland program. Uh, Stefan Vallis is second. Are there any I can't believe I just saw that happen? Moments that come to mind for you? Um, I've seen a couple times where uh, a, like, like a goalie loses a stick and a defenseman tries to pick it up to give it to the goalie. Right. And then the puck comes near him and he just uses the stick, which of course okay. is a penalty. Yes. Um, and they, they always seem so surprised every time <laughs> that right. you can't use the goalie. Um, you know, I've seen those. We've seen, uh, I remember going, you know, the, I would say the benefit of us when we used to go up in Utica is you used to be able to sit behind the net. Right, and so we would be a little elevated and behind the net, and seeing some of Natoli's games up there in the state semis, and you know games going to four overtime shootouts, and he is just making saves that you wouldn't even think is possible of a high school kid kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know, you might know this because I tweeted a couple times, but Tommy was one of the emergency backup goalies at MSG, so I'm looking to get him later on. Uh, Him and actually um, the head coach for Fordham, Rich Guberti, his son Nick. Uh, is the other backup uh, emergency goalie. As a matter of fact, if you remember the commercial, uh, I know you're not necessarily a Ranger fan, but they did a commercial. I think Advil did a commercial where Henrik Lundqvist was in the net. That's actually Nick Guberti in most of the scenes. They fill most of the scenes with with Nick because he's the same style and body type as Lundqvist. So, uh, and, and again, Natoli did some really nice work down in Wayne, New Jersey this last year as an assistant coach. Uh, with a with a pretty new program, so he um, he went to Suffren, and I, I actually had the pleasure of working with him for a while um, too. Yeah. Great kid. There's one other thing we'd like to say is sure the most I can't believe we saw this. It was the Pelham playoff game in the Upstate. And you we like like Sunset said we were sitting behind the net, all of us in the rink. It's the Phantom goal in overtime. I forgot who which team they were playing. Guy shoots the puck. And they're still continuing to play, and the referee blows the whistle. He ruled the goal, the back referee. Not even the line, line goal. Line. Us sitting behind the net never saw. Everybody in the single rank, every single person in the rank didn't see. Even the goal judge didn't put the line No on. kids celebrated, no which kids of course they would in the playoff you know, game. You know, they normally celebrate even when there's a missed net. And not one person in that rank knew what was happening at first. Unbelievable. And I'm, I gave, give Ed Woods credit. He did argue a little bit. Right. But he didn't go berserk. He should have gone berserk because sure. he just lost a playoff game right. on the goal that the back referee and not even the referee on the line saw. Unreal. So. All right, we're going to take one more quick break. We've got a few more questions to go over with these two. I'm really having a great time hearing about all these stories and these personalities, these former players and these great teams. This is your boy Trav, and you're listening to HV Pucks. back with HV Pucks. Uh, this is the, an off-season episode, but we're still keeping the hockey talk going. I'm here with Stefan Vallis and Stefan Vallis II. Um, so let's just jump right back in. Are there any embarrassing on-ice moments involving a coach or an official that you can share? I remember one referee who was nicknamed Bozo by all the players, and he actually laughed about it because he had red hair. And it did look, look a little bit like Bozo the Clown. Okay. <laughs> he actually, 
I don't know why, you know, when you break the stick, you're supposed to put down the stick. Sure. Well, and so I put it down, threw it towards the, you know, they moved it towards the board. He comes skating by, picks up the broken stick, and skating with the broken stick, the referee. Okay. So it's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Stefan Ballas the second? Anything uh, that comes to mind? I'm going to name drop uh, referee Mark D'Angelo here. I would okay. say uh, tw- twice in the same season, about, about a week or so apart. He uh, steps on the ice with his skate guards on and Oof. takes a nice tumble. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he's a little known for that a couple times out there. Um, I would say definitely after the first time it happened and it happened the second time, that's a pretty embarrassing moment. Um, Absolutely. I would say generally just falling. In general, sometimes some of these refs fall and like no one's even near them. You'll yeah. trip over the blue line. <laughs> you know. Fortunately, fingers crossed, I have yet to fall when I'm walking from, you know, the, you know to, the, to the box. So oh, yeah, that's, that's my no, biggest fear. That's no that fun. is a risk that my dad takes and not me. Yeah, <laughs> and I've, I've paid for it at times. So. Well, you know, because again, the whole the old adage is it's quicker to walk across the ice yes. than it is to walk around. But sometimes it's just yeah. yeah sometimes it's not I worth fell, it. I hit my tailbone, and man, did it hurt for <laughs> yeah. about a month. Um, Stefan Vallis, senior, can you describe the state of hockey in Section One right now? Well, it's progressing like. We were talking earlier, John Jay, uh, North Rockland. More teams that do it, it's better. For the longest time, the only state championship team we had was suffering. Right. Then we got our dream come true. We saw our other teams like Marmarnik and Pelham win. Sure. So that means, now that's one of the reasons I think Ed also has the ability to bring down teams because now we got state championship quality teams. Absolutely. Now we have three and a couple more teams are coming up. Yep. North Rockland, John Jay. Those are well-coached teams. And, you know, and it helps. You know, these guys, those coaches work hard. Yeah. The teams work hard. They're, they're well-disciplined. That's a big key. You keep out of the penalty box. So progressing is like we begin to progress. Whether, and now we begin to have the upstate teams come down to us. Because other than those times back in the 70s with Ithaca coming down, Nobody ever came down. Yeah, we always had to go up there. Yeah. So now we're building a, a reputation, and probably section three, five, and six are the big powerhouses teams in the state. Sure, used to be section ten, Messina. Messina's not as strong as they used to, but they're still good. Right. But um, it's good to see us have good teams that we could look. We go to Buffalo. We now have no. It's more of a chance. To, Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I'm, you may have heard this already, certainly being connected at the Ice Hutch, but Ed's tournament is now 21 teams yes. or something like that. <laughs> so that's going to be a, a great, great couple of weekends of hockey. Stefan Vallis II, any thoughts on the state of hockey in Section 1? I would say the uh, obviously the overall athleticism has gotten much better. A lot of these kids are much better and farther along in hockey than I remember them ever being in the past. Uh, I think it's... I, mean, I think it would be nice to still see some more kids play a little bit less travel and focus a little bit more on the high school teams. I think it's. I don't think people realize that if you're good enough, these teams will find you. Look at Santini played in high school. Um, Pesci played all those years in high school. Um, a lot of these kids, you know, we. I remember seeing Wegworth play a year for uh, Brewster. You know, you, if you if you play high school, they're still gonna find you if right. you're good enough. And uh, I think I think it's best for the sport and best for the section. If these kids focus a little bit more on high school, playing for your team, playing for your school, 
kind of thing instead of focusing on outside hockey. So that's probably the only thing I would say that I would like to see a little bit more of. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of people don't realize when you start going to the other teams, you're not the lone standout anymore. Sure. Now you're competing with 20 other good players. Right. And if you stick to your team, you get the, you actually get the press all the time. Right, right. And things like that. This player's good. That player's good. Because you, you'll find out as time goes on, coaches are going to be asking because when the when we had the website, coaches would actually ask reports okay. from our website person. Yep, and that's why we always want to make sure all the stats were right. Because you could say, okay, this guy scored sixty goals in an eighteen twenty game season, but then when he gets to college, he's nothing really, not right. that good. And then you build you have a bad reputation, and it ends up really hurting all the other kids. Because all the other kids who might be good, they might not, they might doubt it. Right, right, okay. Um, what are your thoughts on the implementation of 17-minute periods and two-minute penalties for the 2018-2019 season? I think that it's going to be costly in a sense. So I know the schools are going to be a little pain in the neck about that. And there's some rinks that run on a tight schedule. I know, like, for instance, my mind, like, a lot of people don't realize that a lot of times they have – really have to rush those games. Yeah. And adding six more minutes isn't going to help it. For minor officials, two-minute penalties actually help. Okay. I'm used to the minute and a half. Right. I started off when it was a minute. And when I was doing it, there was no penalty clocks. Right. So we had to keep track. So I know how to keep track of that from all the experience of all the sure. years of doing it. But at 17 minutes, I, there's also a lot of schools that only have 12, 13 kids yep. on the team. I don't know if they're all going to be able – to keep up. To keep up, and then we're going to have problems because when they start getting frustrated, that's when you have the problems. Right, with penalties. Penalties and, and maybe fighting and stuff like that. Should be interesting. Stefan Vallis, the second, your thoughts on the, the rule changes? I'm definitely on board for the two-minute penalties. I do. Okay. I, I did a number of other leagues as well, including Catholic High School for Iona. Right. I right. uh, did you know firemen men's leagues and stuff like that. So two minutes was kind of the norm. It, was, it wasn't always easy to try to remember to shift back. As, as, which is also a problem that the referees have sometimes when they come over and say two-minute penalties and you have to try to remember it's a minute and a half, actually. Right. So I'm all on board for that. I think 17 minutes can be pushing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how many teams have the endurance or the strength to go up for you know, those additional six or, minutes. Or the depth. The depth, you know, right. especially. It's. Uh, I mean, it would be good if some of these deeper teams have the ability to throw some more kids out there. Yeah, you know, I, good I, point. I, I'm a big fan of getting everybody on the ice, at least in some action, Kind of thing. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't see necessarily how 17 minutes is a helpful thing mm. for the sport. I think again, including the cost, a lot of these rinks run these tight schedules. Have to move these games along. Sometimes sure. you have to cut the game short. Yeah, uh, I've done many games where you know, not necessarily at the high school level, but games where you need to do 13 minute periods or do running time for limited times in the periods just to get the game go going. Mm. And I think so I, I am a little tentative to see how 17 minutes will go. It will be interesting to see for sure. Um, as we wrap up here, are there any changes, Stefan Vallis Sr., are there any changes that you'd like to see made to the sport? I know you kind of touched on, I know you touched on the whole, like maybe not so much travel, more mm-hmm. focusing on high school, but is there anything else that you'd like to see? Uh, more balance in the league, you know, make, make, maybe make balanced divisions. Okay. Because a lot of the teams, if there's weak, like Carmel is beginning to build themselves up. Yeah. They want to play the stronger team because they want to get better that way. Okay, we play those games. But there's sometimes you could talk to the coaches, you hear the players, 
they're fearing the team they're going to be sure. playing because it's so unbalanced. Yeah. And, you know, I would like to see that and less politics, too much politics dictated by the coaches, schools, every parents, everything. Yeah. And, you know, and that unfortunately interferes. And one thing good, I'm glad that we're going to have a website back. Yep, by, absolutely. By I'm working, going to be working hard on that, and, for sure. You know, if you need any help, because I've dealt before. Oh, yeah. I'm and gonna... I've done everything in this league, shots. Are... A lot of people don't realize one year the state decided to, just, just, to make a decision on a tie game right. with shots on goal. Okay. And I had to do shots on goal that game, and I was uh, real nervous. But lucky for me, the shots were 63-21. It was <laughs> quite obvious. Right. And oddly enough, the game was only 3-2. to two. Wow. That guy, wow. The goalie was good. It was a Valhalla team. I'm definitely going to rely on you and certainly on your Rockland counterpart, yes. Mike Schoenbach, when it comes to the website. Stefan Vallis is second. Uh, in addition to the whole travel versus high school hockey, any other changes you'd like to see made to the sport? I would definitely like to uh, agree with the politics thing. Uh, I think we're, especially being minor officials, we're a little bit more in tuned and, you know, being so friendly with coaches and referees, you certainly hear a lot of stories. Yeah. Um, we've seen a lot of good guys over the years, guys who genuinely cared about the sport and genuinely cared about teaching kids and doing that get get pushed out for reasons that are pretty unacceptable, quite honestly. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, not every kid is going to make it in the NHL. It's just how it is. A lot, I think a lot of these kids just play the sport for fun. Sure. And I think if uh, a lot of parents, coaches, teachers realize that kind of thing, you know, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a game. You right. know, that's what it is. It's a game. And uh, let the kids play the game and uh, focus a little bit more on them having fun and, and being a kid still without focusing on going crazy. I like that. I like that. Uh that mindset, I agree wholeheartedly with I what like you said. I like how girls are playing more and more. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, I was, you know, when, I, but up here in Connecticut, they actually have a girls' league. Right, And I think right. Western New York has a girls' league. Yes, Which yes. means more kids get to play, mm-hmm. which is good. But, you know, I like the idea. A lot of girls have come real good. I remember when girls first started playing, they were... You know, maybe average, but now they're above average. Sure. So, you know, a lot of times, other than seeing their ponytail out of there, yep. how much you don't know that they're a girl? I know there were four girls recently on Somers North Salem. I had them yeah. on my show. I had yes. Willow Barnes. I had Grace Lunder. I had Emma Talkin from Clarkstown. And I was recently um, talking to uh, Tess Brogan, who's the AD over at Clarkstown North. She's really one of the driving forces behind the Hudson Valley Girls High School Ice Hockey League, along with Stacy Whirl and her husband, Chris. So I know that they're moving in the right direction. They've raised a lot of money. They've generated a lot of buzz. So it'll be interesting to see how that all works out. As we wrap up here, favorite professional hockey player, past or present? Shockingly, Steve Vickers of the New York Rangers, back <laughs> way back in the 70s. And actually, I had a friend. She actually got me his autograph. Okay. I got somewhere. I don't know where it is now. Great. It's probably, it's probably packed up somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I know you guys recently moved back to Connecticut from Mount Vernon. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure it's it's packed away somewhere. Stefan Vallis, the second favorite professional player, past or present. Ooh, I, I, I'm very partial to Paul Correa, having grown up in that day and age. Sure. Um, uh, I'm going to say current, obviously, John Tavares being an Islander fan. Yep. Uh, although, you know, knock on wood, he stays there. <laughs> Uh, I'll st- obviously still be a fan of his. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you know, just Nicholas Lidstrom. I remember Steve Eiserman. I remember those that, that those dynasty years of just being incredible hockey players. Uh, favorite professional team? I know I got you. What's just shocking is since Vickers was my favorite player, it's the New York Islanders. Okay. So, eh. 
Listen, lately, hopefully I'll get rid of the GM. I was gonna say I went. I went to a game Good Friday. Took the family. They played the Leafs, and I, I just have to say Islander fans deserve so much better than what they're getting right now yes. at Barclays. Um, I mean, we were in the last row. Our backs were literally against the wall of the arena, but you could tell that it's it's clearly not a hockey arena. But there are those loyal fans banging the drums and chanting and cheering their team on. And, you know, whether it's getting rid of um, Garth Snow, I don't know. You know, I kind of like Doug Wade. I kind of like what he's done. You know, but uh, we've got the Belmont deal coming up. So hopefully that will will attract some players. And hopefully JT stays, although I know he's going to be a highly touted free agent if he does hit the open market July 1st. Also wouldn't mind the Whalers coming back, having grown oh, up in Connecticut. Sure. Because you know, I, I, I would say I'm originally a Whalers fan. Okay. I had to convert you know, after they left. Yep. Uh, I, I remember still going to the second to last home game against yep. Edmonton. Okay. I remember going. Um, so obviously the Whalers, you know, anytime they want to stop by again. And I know <laughs> like you know, my nephew went to UConn and I certainly went to a few Wolfpack games being a Ranger fan and you still see yep. a large contingency of Whaler jerseys, Whaler yes. hats, Whaler banners. Yep. You yep. know, so yep. again, I definitely think it's high time we bring some professional hockey back. And to the Whalers them. actually sponsored the Connecticut State Championships. They used to play in the Civic Center up so in That's Hartford. great. That's and great. And I remember one time we did go see the championship, and they had seven thousand fans for a high school game. Amazing. In a small state like Connecticut. Amazing. It's not like Minnesota, where it sells out a year in advance. <laughs> right. Well, I've had a blast, guys. Thank you again so much for inviting me up and for taking the time out on a Saturday. This is your boy, Trav. I've been sitting and chatting with Stefan Vallis Sr., Stefan Vallis II, talking about the history of Hudson Valley hockey. This is your boy, Trav. Thanks again, guys. Thank Thank you. you. All right. Take care. As the horn sounds on this special edition of HV Pucks, I want to let you know some of the topics for future podcasts. During the off-season, my plan is to release at least one show per month on various hockey-related topics from across the Hudson Valley, including a history of Hudson Valley hockey with Mike Schoenbach. Mike was responsible for scheduling the off-ice officials on the Rockland County side um, prior to John Orlando's departure from Section 1 Hockey in uh, June of 2014, so I'm looking forward to sitting down with him. Um, At the Harvey School... Uh, Every Tuesday night, there's a group of dedicated alumni that get together for Hockey Night in Katona, and uh, I'm looking forward to sitting down with uh, the players and some of the organizers of that uh, weekly tradition uh, in a future episode. Uh, I'm going to do a feature on the New York Rangers sled hockey team. Uh, I'm also going to have interviews with Tommy Natoli and Nick Guberti, who both served as emergency backup goalies at Madison Square Garden this past season. And I also heard about a roller hockey team in our area, which includes several Section 1 players. So I'm going to look to do an episode about them as well. And if there are topics you'd like me to address during the offseason, please tweet me at TravJack71 as I do this podcast for you. My plan is to, again, release at least one episode per month Uh, between uh, May and October. I have two major goals for the 2018-2019 season. They are the creation of a Section 1 hockey website and an exceptional senior game for Hudson Valley players. Uh, If you're interested in supporting either of these initiatives, you can visit my GoFundMe campaign entitled HV Pucks Fund. 
Uh, any amount is greatly appreciated. And thanks to your generosity, I was able to establish um, a memorial scholarship in honor of Dick Kittle, who was a longtime off-ice official in the Mamaroneck community. And uh, four uh, seniors were awarded the scholarships at uh, the all-league dinner uh, back in March. Um, you can find me on Twitter at TravJack71, on Instagram at 5 underscore min underscore major, and on Snapchat at 5 underscore min major. I definitely have to step up my snap game, so hopefully I can do some of that during the offseason. Uh, you can also find my show again on the Grandstand Sports Network, www.grandstandsportsnetwork.com or at Grandstand underscore SN. And if you like the music you've heard throughout the show, be sure to check out the new full-length album, Out of Time, by Fracture, which is available on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. The new album maintains the same high level of energy as their debut 2015 EP, Broken Walls. You can also find them on Twitter at Fracture underscore Band, on Instagram at Fracture Official, Fracture Band Official on Facebook, and www.fractureofficial.com on the web. This is your boy Trav, a.k.a. 5-Minute Major, and I'll see you at the rink.